The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mental Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Gratis. And today's episode is a special one because the guest is someone whose work I accidentally stumbled upon on YouTube. I discovered one of his videos in which he was doing a piece of investigative journalism on a particular individual. And uh, I was impressed with his insights and uh, he just seemed right on the money to me. And I also just got the sense that he was um, an honest and authentic human being. And so my instinct told me to reach out to him and I did. And uh, yeah, he turned out to be both of those things for sure. And also the conversation went to some really interesting places. In particular, we spoke about uh, high level personal development concepts that I don't think get enough attention in the personal development world. And he was able to help me take the conversation to a really, really interesting place that um, I haven't been to for a long time. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. And I know he enjoyed it. And I think you guys will too. So without further ado, here is Mr. David Fuller, who is the creator of Rebel Wisdom. Enjoy. Hey, brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ergratis. And today, all the way from, I don't want to say sunny England, because it's never sunny, but I, is it sunny today? It is actually pretty sunny today. Wow. Okay. All the way from sunny England. That's a very rare occurrence. We have a gentleman named David Fuller, who also, uh, you don't go by the name Rebel Wisdom, but your, your uh, platform is called Re- Rebel Wisdom, which is one of the reasons I was interested in you. That's such a cool name. I think there's nothing cooler than being a rebel and having wisdom. David is a independent journalist who has done work for the BBC and Channel 4 and now struck out on his own and created this amazing platform. Um, I saw some of his work online. He did an expose of of someone recently on his YouTube channel, which was absolute magic. And I just reached out to him. We had a great conversation and I invited him on the show. And here he is, David. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I'm looking forward to this conversation. For sure. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and hopefully illuminating for for the listeners. So I guess the first place to start is I mean, you've done a pretty big I don't know if I'd call it a 180, but shifting from being a journalist that, that worked for, uh, you know, the big daddies of Channel 4 and the BBC to, to going out on your own independent platform. Tell me about that. That must have been a pretty difficult and anxiety-inducing decision to make. And why did you make it? Yeah. Was it anxiety-inducing? It's a, it's a good question. It, it's not been anxiety-inducing yet. So I basically, it happened very organically. So I was, I trained at the BBC. I started at BBC News Online and then moved into TV journalism in about 2005 and then moved to Channel 4 News. And I was working at Channel 4 News as a full-time staff member up until about 2012 and then doing freelance stuff from there up until about 2018, something like that. But I'd left Channel 4 News, and I was doing documentaries. So I'm a TV journalist. I'm also a producer-director. So I shoot, edit, report, produce, kind of do the whole thing. So I was kind of a one-man operation, even while I was at Channel 4 News. 
And I was a little bit of a kind of square peg in a round hole there because <laughs> I could do everything, but I didn't specialize in one thing. And most most of the time in TV news, you're a, you're a specialist. You're either a reporter or you're a cameraman or you're an editor or you're a producer. And I kind of was never entire, never really found a place. And then when I left and started doing documentaries, I was... I did a lot of unreported worlds, which were foreign affairs for Channel 4. And those are just two-person operations. There's the reporter and then there's the producer-director who does everything else. So I, was, I felt much more comfortable doing that. It's literally just you and the reporter following the story, filming it, doing all the editorial and all the technical stuff. So I'd already left a staff job by that point. And I was doing freelance work as a, as a producer-director making documentaries so I was all already kind of slightly half in, half out, and I was doing a lot of commercial work. And um, so I had a kind of portfolio by that point. And then in about 2018, actually the end of 2017, I saw Jordan Peterson. So someone, someone introduced me to Jordan Peterson, and I, was, I just thought, wow, this, this is really interesting. He was bringing this sort of deep mythological frame. He was kind of looking at things, looking at religion, looking at kind of the deepest stories of culture. And also, I thought this is absolutely fascinating. And I also thought this is exactly what the world needs to hear right now. I was, I was kind of got a little bit obsessed with him. I then went and did a, I got an interview with him. I wrote an article first that got a lot of views. So I got in touch and said, look, I've written this article. I'm a journalist. I'd love to interview you. Went over to Canada, interviewed him at the end of 2017 and then brought out the first documentary about him uh, at the beginning of 2018. And then Rebel Wisdom kind of grew off the back of that initial. So it happened very organically from there. But about two or three days after I brought out the uh, first documentary with Jordan Peterson, which is called Truth in the Time of Chaos, he then had that viral interview with Kathy Newman on Channel 4. I don't know, are you familiar with that? No, I'm not, no. But you're familiar with Jordan Peterson? Yes. And in fact, I, I didn't plan to speak about this, but um, I'm going to ask you a question a little bit out of left field. Um, man, I, this is a kind of difficult for me to speak about because my wife loves Jordan Peterson. I, last year, there was a period where I'd walk into the living room and there was always a Jordan Peterson video on, on YouTube playing on our TV, right? Literally for months. And I think that he is an incredibly erudite, well-spoken, intelligent, well-read, charismatic. I mean, you could add on any superlative adjective and, and he's it, right? And, and he's got a lot of wisdom to share. But truth be told, there was always something about him that I just couldn't, I just found it in, I don't want to say untrustworthy, but there was just something about him. I didn't, it just didn't resonate with me. And, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a bad human being on any level, but He's just gone through this really bad psychological breakdown, which I'm sure you're familiar with because you're, you're, you follow him. And I started asking the question, and again, I, I want to make it clear that I'm not judging the man because fuck, his set of circumstances is, is it's from the sounds of it really difficult. But the question that kept coming up for me is, is this is a gentleman with so many powerful psychological tools and so much wisdom on how to move through the world. How, how do he let this happen? Right, like, how was he not immunized or at least insulated against this? And and that's my big question surrounding Jordan Peterson at the moment. And I'd love to hear any um, insights or, or perspectives you have on that. 
Yeah, I mean that's a really big question. I'm I'm actually thinking of doing another film looking at that whole arc, like the arc of those sort of two years, especially. I just wanted to complete my thought from the previous juncture just to say that, so the, the final piece of that story was, so I brought out the documentary about him, I think on about January the 4th, 2018. He had his interview with Kathy Newman on Channel 4 News that went viral. And so I was struck by this. This was, I used to work with Kathy Newman. And then I put out the first interview with Jordan Peterson. And the thing that I spoke to him about when I when I interviewed him was mostly about synchronicities. <laughs> we talked about Jung, we talked about synchronicities, we talked about synchronicities being these kind of seeming coincidences that have a much deeper meaning. So I was just absolutely kind of gobsmacked. It's like, this is extraordinary. His his kind of breakout moment was on the, on the show that I used to work on for the... I was working with Kathy Newman like two or three weeks before as a freelancer. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to, how do I make sense of this? And initially I tried liaising behind the scenes between Kathy and Jordan because they kind of, it got very heated and very bad tempered. But then eventually I thought, okay, I'm going to make a film about this, this interaction because I felt there were, it was basically a clash of so many different worlds, alternative media and traditional media and, kind of different sort of uh, ideological frames and all the rest of it. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to make a film that unpacks all of that that became Glitch in the Matrix, which is now by far the most viewed film that I've ever put out. It's got over 5 million views now. Wow. Great. Jordan Peterson uploaded it to his channel where it's now the second most viewed film on his channel. And I've got another version of it on my channel. It's got about 500,000 views as well. So that was... That was the, I guess, the piece that kind of put rebel wisdom on the map. So yeah, that that was the original energetic sort of force, I think, that created rebel wisdom was following the thread of the Jordan Peterson phenomenon and being sure that this guy is bringing something that's absolutely essential for me after being in the media and seeing like how the sort of new atheist hegemony, the new atheist worldview was kind of all powerful. Dawkins... Sam Harris, and just no space at all for spirituality or religion or any of those things and saying, this this guy is bringing something absolutely essential for the world right now and having this like really keen sense that that was, that he was an almost avatar of something really important. But I think coming back to your, your, your question about, I, I do wonder whether there were sort of the seeds of that sort of tragic arc even at the beginning like i do I, I do have that sense now looking back there's something about your you you had a sort of i think you're talking about a sort of felt sense that there was something slightly off about him exactly you know yeah. I, I really i'm trying not I, I don't like to put negative energy out there and criticize people and judge them and i'm not saying i, I want to make it clear i'm not saying he's a you know a bad person on, on any level but there was just something I guess maybe the best word I could use, and again, it, it's it's quite a loaded phrase, but he, he, loaded word. He, he just seemed inauthentic, mm. which I know is there's a lot of fanboys of his, and you know I, I get that. I want to make it very clear. I think on on balance, the stuff he puts out there overrides the fact that he might be a little bit inauthentic, and he's he's put a lot of good wisdom and energy out into the world. But 
as you said, there was always just something to me that was just not quite right. Hmm. That's interesting. And, and I, I wouldn't have yeah. used, yeah, I wouldn't have used the word inauthentic, but I, there's something like a lot of my friends who are more in the embodiment world, like embodiment coaches, always felt there was something quite pinched and quite, there was a kind of repression there, I think. Interesting. Like even, even his voice, you can kind of hear there's, I, I don't think, I think there were things that he didn't really express. And there's this sort of sense of, I think I had a Bible quote come to mind, actually. If you bring out what is inside you, it will set you free. If yeah. you do not bring out what is inside you, it will destroy you. Something like that. Yeah, I know that I'm familiar with that quote. It's one of my favorites. And what you've just described is very interesting to me because, you know, um, when I started along the path of, of well, I don't know when I started along the path, but several years ago, uh, I was diving very deep into self-actualization and I met with this very interesting, super intelligent, borderline savant-like individual. I'm not going to mention his name, but we, we had a conversation about uh, Richard Dawkins, of all people. Mm. And he said to me, you know, Richard Dawkins, it doesn't matter what he says. I look at the guy and I can see he's not happy and healthy. And I can see he's not connected to, to the source. And that always stuck with me. You know, like there's certain individuals... You know, I look at them like people in, in my social circle and I just know that this guy is fully self-actualized. You know, physically he's healthy. His eyes are shining. He smiles a lot. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He, he moves through the world with a kind of a grace and a, and a, a lightheartedness and a, you know, that he like just radiates good energy and positivity. And I guess I never got that from Jordan Peterson. I, to look at him, I would never, if I didn't know his background and, and Again, I'm, I'm judging just on appearances, but I would never think that this guy is is thriving and healthy and, and connected, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth unpacking that a little bit. I think that's right, but I also think that part of what he was bringing was, was actually something else. I think a lot of the wisdom that he brought was really hard-earned, this sort of cathartic... So a friend of mine, Jamie Wheel who wrote the book Stealing Fire. So he's an expert in flow states and is one of the kind of most interesting, impressive people that I've met while I've been doing Rebel Wisdom. He, he actually, we talked about Jordan Peterson, I actually put it out on the channel. He said that he, he said, where is his transmission coming from? And his sense was that his transmission is very much coming from catharsis. Wow. And whereas Jamie is very much coming from ex ecstasis. So Jamie said, I'm, I'm more sort of on the top of the mountain calling out coordinates. Jordan Peterson is kind of down. I mean, it, you look at his, his background, like Jordan, he, he's never kind of hidden the fact that he suffered with depression for most of his life. His family's gone through some incredibly difficult times. He's come out the other side. And I really get the sense that a lot of his wisdom has come from that deep place of suffering sure. and facing it full on. Yeah, we have to give him, I mean, I have to give him credit for that. And, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you, you, you worded it perfectly. Like he has, he has fought hard for it and, and I, I, I must give him kudos for that. So yeah, thank you for pointing that out to me, David. Yeah. I, I think he's an incredibly complex character. And I think that that whole period of two years or so was an incredible, yeah, it was an incredible arc and, I would love to do. I'm, I'm thinking very hard about doing a sort of follow-up film 
about that journey and maybe speaking to some of the people who had these kind of very high profile interactions with him at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's something I'd like to watch for sure. Um, I know this conversation is jumping around quite a lot, David, but uh, it seems like you're, you're going with it, which is cool. I, I wanted to come back to that phenomenon of synchronicities that you, that you mentioned mm. in particular, the one with Jordan Peterson, you know, I, I was not surprised to hear that because I, you know, there's a, a particular branch of um, esoteric study called synchromysticism, uh, which mm. is all about trying to figure out why these strange coincidences happen and, and how we're all connected and how they're all connected. And for me, it's been my experience that the more you start to look for them, the more they show up, which I find absolutely fascinating. I mean, I, I always go on about the fact that I really believe that the, the what we inhabit in this dimension is some sort of simulation or it has some aspects that are similar to simulation. And that particular simulation by its very nature is affected by the observer, the observer being us humans. And it's something I play with quite a lot. Like I, honestly, some, some things have happened to me that I'm not going to get into them on this particular show, but it's beyond coincidence. It's absolutely beyond coincidence. And anyone who, who just says, oh, that's, that's just coincidence. It's obviously just, they're not thinking big enough. Right. I, I just love to hear yeah. if you've experienced that anymore in your life or because these things fascinate me. Yeah. This is a really rich area. I'm, I'm, I'm I had about three or four different thoughts of why this is such an interesting topic. Firstly, I want to say that I, I am familiar with the techno mysticism uh, there's a friend of mine, Akira the Don, who is a musician in LA who actually put together, he's invented this new genre called Meaning Wave. Mm -hmm. So he took Jordan Peterson and Alan Watts and lots of these kind of great thinkers and put their their words to music. Amazing. So it's kind of long, long form music and uh, kind of wisdom. And he did a version. So this is this is already a synchronicity because he did a version of Glitch in the Matrix where he took the whole film and set it to music. And I found it and got in touch. And he was coming. He happened to be coming over to the UK like uh, the, the next week. So we we chatted, and that was full of synchronicities. And he said exactly that. We talked about synchronicities in the film, and he said, "Yes, if you look for them, they start to appear more." And he also pointed out something really interesting, which is. In the internet age, synchronicities are so much easier. Like everything's moving at the speed of thought now. So once you get onto that synchronistic wave, it can happen so much quicker than it has ever happened before. So we are in this in this age of synchronicity in mm -hmm. a way. And the thing that really I found quite extraordinary was I, I went over to to, to see Jordan Peterson's lecture and got the interview with him the day after. And that lecture was his lecture number 13. And 13 has always kind of followed me around. That's uh -huh. been one of the sort of synchronous, synchronous things. I, I don't know why, but I, but I know that whenever I see the number 13, I kind of, my, my ears perk up and I'm like, <laughs> okay, something's about to happen. This is episode 13 of the show, by the way. Seriously? No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> but we, I'll, I'll, I'll make it number thirteen. I'll label it number thirteen, just, just for you. Great, Num number thirteen, <laughs> part two, or something. Exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised, but uh -huh. 
Yeah, so in, in the lecture, Jordan Peterson, he talked about something I'd never heard anyone express before. And this was Jung's idea of the four-dimensional self. So Jung being the, the, the psychologist who invented or came up with the idea of synchronicity. And he said that the four-dimensional self was Jung's idea of the self existing in the future as well as the present. And that we're, that the self, and he called it a self with a capital S, it's kind of our potential, our, our, our future realized self is calling to us from the future mm. through our interests, through the things that we do. And then we have that experience sometimes that we wake up to ourselves and we wake up to the fact that we are the universe experiencing itself at this moment, but also that everything that's happened up till now has been the perfect thing to have happened to get us to the point that we're at now, where we have exactly the right skills and exactly the right, all these things that didn't make sense at the time suddenly make sense. For me, that's that's beyond the, the experience of enlightenment. It's kind of another another layer because you also, at that point, you think the universe is like so much more intelligent than we realize because it it knew what it was doing at the time when I did that kind of weird course I didn't understand at the time, or I learned that language I didn't understand at the time. Or So this made a whole lot of sense to me, this idea of the four-dimensional self. Yeah. And my sense as well is that we tap into that four-dimensional self much more in altered states with psychedelics or with any kind of... Um, Antigenic substance. Yeah, what Stan Groff called a holotropic yeah. experience. You can get there with breath work, you can get there with dancing, you can get there with any kind of altering experience. Because my sense is when when I've tapped into that part of myself in those altered states, there's a familiarity there. And then that has been, that there's been this sense of recognition when I sort of see that again. And that for me is where the synchronicities happen. They're, they're kind of like a bridge between that 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 potential future, that sort of more realized future that I think we're all mm -hmm. we have access to. And then and then it's kind of a bridge into, into the now. And the synchronicities are a kind of stepping stone or pathway between those two places. Wow. I mean, you're really speaking my language here. Um I appreciate that um piece of information about the the 40 self. So there's a couple of things that come to mind. The first is, have you ever watched a film by M. Night Shyamalan called Signs? I've seen some of his other films. I'm not sure if I've seen that one. Okay, so that particular one is, um, it's one of the classic kind of Inception, Memento type, where the the timeline is, it's kind of, they, they play with the idea of time. Mm. And and basically what happens is the film leads to, it culminates that the, the final scene shows how that very thing happened uh, or, or how that very phenomenon that you're describing took place. The characters were all being prepared by certain events for an event in the future. They were becoming the people they had to be to, to be able to um, cope with a particular event in the future. I highly recommend it if you haven't yet watched it. Mm. Cool. And what I would say also that something, an interesting phenomena that I've experienced. I, I lo love the idea of the 4D self, and I think we could expand on it and perhaps consider that there's a five, we we're actually have a five-dimensional self. Uh, and the reason I say this is because, you know, the, the work that I've been doing over the last several years in particular, getting to, to healing the things within me and the traumas that I experienced, you know, we, we all have traumas growing up and, and things that weren't ideal about our lives and that usually end up causing issues unless they're addressed. And in some of the work that I've been doing to address that, I've found 
you can actually go back within your mind in meditations to the past, to your past self. And by changing memories or changing your perspective on memories of things that happened to you, you can change your present self and ultimately the trajectory onto your future self. And I find that really fascinating. I think it probably has some overlap with the work you do with your men's groups and things like that. Does any of that resonate with you? Yes. I mean, everything is here right now in like all of those things that have happened in the past are, are here in some way. I've certainly had that experience of, of going into traumatic memories or difficult experiences in the past and working through them in various different ways. I mean, a, a good way, I, I've done something called the Mankind Project. I've done various types of therapeutic processes where you actually reenact or you get someone to role play different things from your past. And mm -hmm. in that role playing, you can say something that you, di you didn't say before. Maybe you sort of set a boundary with your father that you didn't set or whatever it might be. And my, I'd, I'd love to know if there's any research on this, but my sense of what happens in that moment is that we create a new possibility as a new kind of neural pathway. Like we have, mm -hmm. we have a set of neural pathways in our mind that are like a kind of motorway. When this happens, this is how we react to it because it was established when we were young. Like when your father put you down or when whatever it might be, you felt this way, you felt rejected, you felt worthless, you felt all these things. And those, those things become in, embedded, they become entrenched. And then we start responding to the world, like our, we start responding to our boss like he's our dad. We start responding to all these situations in our life as if we're still in the family that we grew up in. You live, you continue to live your, your live out your past in your present and ultimately your future. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I first started doing like person. I started kind of doing personal growth work myself in about 2006 when I realized, wow, I'm the way, the way that I am at work is, is the way that I was at home. And I, <laughs> and I just felt I, I, I was at work and then I kind of came home and I was like, oh, this is exactly the same emotion. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm just living out the same patterns. Yeah, I'm very lucky to have a, with, with the men's work that I do now, I'm very lucky to have a mentor who's been doing this work for about 40 years and is one of the, he's a very close friend now, but he's, he's the best facilitator I've ever worked with, I've ever experienced, a guy called Raffia Morgan. And he, he's got a few great lines around this. And one of them is, your personality is not wrong. It's just out of date. It was a, it was a, an intelligent strategy to survive in the environment you grew up in. That's magic. I mean, that's such an amazing insight. It's an amazing insight because it also doesn't make it wrong. Because the, one of the other problems with this work is that if you are desperately trying and struggling against your patterns, our patterns, then it just entrenches them more. Sure. So we have to approach it from this kind of loving kindness. I mean, this is, this is the paradox of, of this kind of work is that until you fully accept yourself, you can't change. So true. Which is, which is a total paradox because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I mean, but, but you know what I found, um, David, is that at the highest levels of anything, of any phenomena, there is always an inherent paradox. You know, just like the, the if you think of the yin yang symbol, you know, if you picture it in your mind at the, where the white part of this of the symbol is at its fattest or its largest there's a little bit of 
the black, there's a tiny black dot. And the same with the black part is its fattest, there's a little white dot, right? There's always a, there's an inherent paradox carried within everything, um, especially when you get to the high levels. And while you were sharing that, there's no other word to describe what you're sharing except pure wisdom. While you were sharing that with me, what came to mind is a quote that I, I've mentioned probably three times in the last five episodes of the show. Uh, and it's fast becoming my favorite quote of all time, which is by Dr. Wayne Dyer, which is when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I was just thinking about it in the context of, of our past, right? If you, if you literally go to those negative memories and change your perspective of them, you can literally change your past, right? You can change what, what happened to you, which will ultimately then have the knock-on effect of changing who you are in the present moment and ultimately are in the future. Yes. Cool. So, um, David, that's about as much as my brain can take for today. Um, that's not exactly where I expected the conversation to go, but it, nonetheless, it was absolutely wonderful. Like, what I'm really looking for with conversations, I'm sure you're the same, is there's a kind of a, a meeting of the minds that, that you get to. Not, you don't always get to, but sometimes it happens. And then the conversation almost emerges as a separate entity of its own. And I really feel that it happened today with our, with our chat. And I just want to thank you for, for being willing to come on the show and discuss these uh, intense outdoor topics. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I enjoyed that. I really, what, one of the things that we work with in not just our men's retreats, but also in the, the, the stuff that, that I'm doing now with Rebel Wisdom is a process called inquiry and there's other forms of dialogue, but the idea is to try and get yourself to a place where you're at the cusp of what wants to emerge in the dialogue between two people, or at least it starts with oneself. Like, can you get to the edge of your thinking where you're actually trying to find the words to express what you're, where the words are not flowing so naturally because you're not telling a story. You're actually trying to kind of create new you're trying to be at the edge of novelty. And that that's something I really try to practice as much as I can. And I think this, this has been a, where we've ended up with Rebel Wisdom over the last two years of the exploration is realizing that this particular skill, this skill of getting ourselves to the edge of novelty and finding that place of novelty with others is the key skill. It's the key skill because the kind of transition that we're going through at the moment and we've looked at that sort of systematically and, and kind of from all kind of cultural lenses is one that we don't, we're not going to be able to think our way out of. We're going to have to feel our way out of it. And that will involve this kind of sense of being alive to what wants to emerge through us as much as trying to do it. It's not about doing, it's about really relaxing into and finding that place of what wants to emerge. And so thank you for the opportunity to, to go there. Yeah. And I mean, what I just appreciate is I had never had words to put to that specific phenomena. And now you've, you've given me a, a framework, you know, you've helped me package it in my mind. Like that is what I'm, I'm craving is this, this emergence of novelty um, and the divergence from an, an overused, over expressed narrative that most of us, I mean, most of us, I don't know if you've ever experienced the same, sometimes I just get bored of my own mind and, and the, phrases of speech I use and the ideas that I just keep coming up with. And I, I just don't like to retread the same ground. And it, I think that's kind of similar to what you're describing. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the word that the, there's lots of different words for it. Dialogos is one of them that 
a, a friend of mine and someone who's been on the channel a lot, John Viveki, who's a professor of psychology at Toronto, has come up with. And he says that's that's kind of where Greek philosophy originally came from. It wasn't a sort of set of propositions, an intellectual process. It was Socrates and others getting to the edge of their understanding and exploring what they found with others. Wow. Like, can we recapture that sense of live exploration? Because we all feel, we look around at everything in that, our culture now and we think it, it feels dead. And it, I think it is dead. I think everything is kind of dead. And that's really it's it's just a, a returning out of of stuff that's come before. Like yes, I mean if you look at it in in Hollywood, I mean how many remakes have we had? And now we're starting to get remakes of remakes. Yes, right. It's 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 got to the point where novelty it, stuff is technically new, but it's not. It's just retreading and rehashing of old stuff. I I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is another another thread, but it's also it's a sim. It's what the a philosopher Baudrillard called simulation or simulacrum, that things become simulations of themselves. And so we, we've, we've got this process throughout society where everything is focus grouped, everything is kind of already pre-decided what people will think of it. So you get this kind of hall of mirrors, reflective thing going on that means that the essence of it, like especially the artistic impulse, is hollowed out because everything is then seen through the lens of, oh, what do people want to watch? Well, people want to watch what they've watched before. They don't want to watch something <laughs> new. How? Where does the novelty come from in this world where sure. everything is, is, is played out and everyone's going for more and more kind of intensity without, yeah, we, we, we've lost the essence. For sure. And... Wow, uh, what a fantastic conversation, David. I, I know you're a, a, a busy guy, and and I, I'd like to have you on the show again at some point. I think that, that we could we could have several other conversations on on this level. Um, if if those listening want to find out more about you and your work, where's the best place for them to go? So yeah, check out Rebel Wisdom, the YouTube channel and the website. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get the, if you are able to get this out before. Our festival, our festival is coming up at the end of May, which is going to be a free event where we're actually going to be doing a lot of these kind of experiences. We've got talks from some of the, a lot of the people I've mentioned, actually, and also it will be a, a place to practice some of these dialogues, some of these kind of more embodied practices that I was talking about as well. So. Okay. I mean, actually, the, this episode is scheduled to air in, in June, but I'm going to bump it, um, bump it up so that uh, we can get the word out. Oh, thanks. That's great. So yeah, go to rebelwisdom.co.uk and, and you'll see the festival and you can sign up there. Thanks again, David. Appreciate you. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. As I said in the intro, that conversation did not go where I was expecting it to go, but very often those are the best ones. And, you know, for me, I really feel lit up and energized when I can talk to someone and we can get to a point that I call the meeting of the minds um, or as David far more eloquently put it I think he used the word dialogos uh, and this ability to get to the the edge of your understanding and dive into the realms of, of novelty it's not something that I am able to do in my everyday life too often you know I have my wife and a few others that I can discuss those high level concepts with and some of my guests but it's not a it's not a commonplace occurrence for me. So when it happens, it's it's really really cool. And I just want to thank David for being so open minded and, and willing to take a chance on the interview. He didn't know me, and he just uh, he's just a really cool dude. And I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>